Macaroon Holiday 45 45. <laughs> uh, you're the best. You know that? You're the best. No, you are. That's what I call a reception. Yeah, man, I'm humbled. You know, I'm, I'm so humbled. I should move to Humboldt County. <laughs> hey, Christmas, I should say, bah humbled. <laughs> I'd spell it out for you, but then we'd have a humble bee. <laughs> uh, look, come on. Can you believe it? It's our 45th episode. Boy, oh boy. Okay, so what's the big deal over 45, right? Well, usually I guess you'd make a big deal about 50. But we may not get there. My annual pod bean fee comes due next month. And I have to decide whether to pony up or let it slide. And just do this on the Patreon. So we'll see how that goes. But also, 45, I don't know, maybe it's my favorite number. It speaks to me of beautiful possibility of solidity. Like this here, I got this uh, holding my favorite 45 capital swirl. Don't worry, baby, on one side, I get around on the other side. Holy Jesus, what can you say, you know? I hold that record in my hand and I hold glory, beauty, memory, hope, solidity. 45. None of them cheap jack, will-o'-the-wisp, MP3s, or streaming, whatever the fuck. The plastic coasters called compact discs. Man, 45 is the real thing. Recognized as such by anyone with a lick of sense. 45. Eh, but I know what you're thinking. I should address the elephant in the room, right? Hold on, okay. Hey. Hey, Jumbo, how are you? Who loves 45? That's a good girl. Good girl. Anyway, here's a regular buckaroo holiday. No theme, no angle, just a celebration of our journey in sound together, you and me. Hope you liked the last one, family celebration. That was for Jim, but hey, it was for all of us, and I hope you like it. If you didn't, some people just don't know what's good. They just don't know what's good good while they got it. Like 45. And by the way, to those of you not already savoring the wonders on the Patreon, to paraphrase Tony Curtis and the Vikings, why do you hesitate? It's pennies a day. God. I understand the misgivings that some of you might have. Let's say you're like an old friend of mine, right? He used to pat me on the back and shit like that. But now, now you don't like me because I, I don't know, I left Facebook or my politics are problematic or something. But you know, you could use a pseudonym. Yeah, you could you could follow what I'm doing. And uh, you could use a proxy email address, pledge your modest monthly contribution with it. Nobody will be the wiser, not even me. So just, just a thought. It's kind of like being my friend. 
and very moral. So let's get right into this one. I um, gotta tell you, I have a couple of commissions coming up that are gonna be great. One of them's gonna be up real soon because there's a time element to it. And if you like the Golden Age of Songwriters series on the Patreon, there's a new one coming up, which will be my favorite one. In fact, I have a few things on Patreon, not in that series, but other separate things that represent some of my pet sounds, I guess, no, but not pet sounds, but my favorite musical things. Anyway, back to today's show. I want to start out with a number originally done by a band called the Elgins in the mid-60s on Motown. It was covered in the late 70s, I guess, 79 or so, by Bonnie Pointer. And she did a faithful version of the Motown cut, and then she did a disco version. And the disco version is the really good one. I had the 12-inch single, and it has this long extended section in the middle of it that has strings that remind me of the composer Via Lobos. Really amazing, but it's super long. So I did an edit, and you'll hear it right after this stupid intro. Welcome to Buckaroo Holiday.
June Gardner, a drummer and band leader out of New Orleans, they're doing a cover of The Joker, a song by Leslie Brickus and Anthony Newley. 
from a show called The Roar of the Grease Paint, The Smell of the Crowd, which also produced uh, a few standards, one of which, uh, Feeling Good, has been sung to death by everybody in recent years. I guess uh, people think it's a Nina Simone song because she did a memorable cover of it. But I really favor the original Broadway version of it. It's great hand-bone baritone type of piece. But, you know, it's uh, certain overplayed songs, you know, like Hallelujah by Leonard Cohen. As much as I might like the song, I can't really hear it anymore. And Feeling Good is in that category. It's been played to death. But it reminds me of something I was talking about in the last show, in the Family Road Trip show, about the song uh, Carry On My Wayward Son. Now, in that case, you know, my daughter Lily loves the song. So I can't dismiss it anymore. My daughter Lily loves the song. So I gotta listen to it with new ears. By the way, my wife and I were listening together to uh, one of the recent Patreon shows. And one nice thing about that is I get real-time feedback from her about the show and what I'm doing. And she mentioned that she liked the idea that in some cases I would talk about some of the songs that were coming up rather than talking about them afterward. Because she said it was sort of like setting you up so you could listen for certain things or have a better sense of the artist or the tune when it comes on. Maybe that's true. I don't know. You, you know, I like to like spring something on people so they can react without any kind of preconceptions. You know, that's the reason why I don't have set lists posted. I don't want people knowing what's coming. But I think in this case, she might be onto something. Now, it's not always possible because a lot of these shows I do uh, real time, kind of. One song suggests the next one, and I don't really know until I played them what they were, you know. But sometimes I'll plan the show, or at least sets within the show. And in those cases, you know, I'll tell you about it beforehand, you know. So, in this case, I'll do that. First one is a song that I've included on shows that I've put together in the past and omitted for length, usually. And so I don't think I ever did play it on the show. It's by Al Cooper, and it's called New York City, You're a Woman. It was uh, my old friend Charlie O'Dell who turned me on to this song. Old Charlie O'Dell, man. Uh, long gone and never forgotten and uh, I have very mixed emotions a lot of times when I listen to this because uh, it brings up the joy we used to have hanging around listening to songs and talking about music and everything else and it also reminds me of some darker sadder things Al Cooper of course is a legend in the music business he was the organist on Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. He wrote This Diamond Ring for Gary Lewis and the Playboys. He was a founding member of Blood, Sweat, and Tears, and he did all kinds of stuff, including this killer number. Then after him, I'm gonna throw some Pepper Adams at you. He was a baritone saxophonist. And this track from his album Ephemera, title I enjoy, because uh, I like Ephemera. And I also like the title of the song, Civilization and Its Discontents. Now, Pepper Adams' baritone tone, his baritone, is really killer. And this recording really suits it, man. It's so chewy. The whole recording is just clear and solid and palpable, you know? You'll dig it. And then I'm going to finish up the set with a Neil Innes song from a short-lived band he had called The World, right after the Bonzo Dog Band broke up. The album was called Lucky Planet. Dennis Cohen from the Bonzos was also in the band. And it's more serious than the Bonzo stuff and a lot of Neil's later stuff. It's more rockin', certainly, than a lot of his other stuff. Not Moroccan, more rockin'. And it's darker 
There are two songs under that I think are really cool. One's called Godzilla's Return, which is a fairly long one. And this one, 9 to 5 Pollution Blues. Big favorite of mine since I was, what, 14, I guess. So anyway, here we go. And uh, Charlie, wherever you are, love to you, my brother. Please let me in. I've got something to share. And if you care, let me play a song
My armpits smell, my breath is bad, I look like hell, I feel so sad. How many times has that lyric run through my mind? I've always been real fond of that one. It had a lot in common with the music that I was really into before I got taken away by the Bonzo Dog Band, and that music was uh, glam rock, glitter rock, all that stuff, Bowie and T-Rex and so forth, Slade. So it was good to hear something from a Bonzo that had a lot of that uh, healthy negativity and uh, <laughs> despair in it, along with that, that rocking thing. But while I was into that period of glam rock, I picked up a lot of the English papers like Melody Maker and NME just to keep up with what was going on over there. There were a lot of these bands coming out all the time. Some of them I just didn't even want to know about, like Mud or Gary Glitter. That just didn't appeal to me at all. But there was others that intrigued me that I never really got into. And one of them was Cockney Rebel. They were a little different than a lot of those other bands. I don't think they had a guitar player for one thing uh, at first. And uh, their sound was more rustic in a way. Maybe Mata Hoople might have overlapped a little sonically with them, but I didn't know a lot about them. And you couldn't hear their music over here really. So the little I knew I didn't dig too much. And Steve Harley, the leader of the band, was one of these guys that comes along and there, there's always there's always one in English pop, it seems, some character who's always mouthing off and being a real pain in everybody's ass, you know, like kind of like the Oasis Brothers, you know, <laughs> that sort of thing. It seems to be a, a type in British pop. And Steve Harley was that at that time. But years later, I'd say, you know what, let me check them out again, periodically. And I've come to appreciate them. In fact, there's a clip on YouTube from about 10 years ago where Steve Harley is in a, some TV studio or something in Oslo, Norway, doing a song of his called Sebastian. And if you're interested at all in Steve Harley or Cockney Rebel, you should check this out. It's, the performance is amazing, and it's a whole lot better, I think, than Cockney Rebel's original version of it or any of the versions I saw them do on TV. But today I'm going to play something from the same album that Sebastian is on. It's called The Human Menagerie, the album. And this song is called Hideaway. Then I'm going to segue to a contemporary band from Australia that I guess draws a lot of inspiration from the glam rock days. The band's called Empire of the Sun. And their image is kind of like over-the-top goofy, but there's a lot of musicality and I think you might like it. And that song's called We Are The People. And when I say that they look over the top goofy, um, and, you know, that's, uh, you never let that fool you, you know what I mean? Like, uh, going back to those glam days, the first time I saw Roxy Music, I'm like, what, what did it, come on now, now that's getting ridiculous. But you listen to them a little and you go, oh, okay, all right, yeah. So I figure I'll throw something by them in here too, why not? All right then, glam time. Understand the villain's call. We'd have a record. 
That's right, cowboy. 45. It's show 45, lest we forget. Thank you, Roxy Music, with the song She Sells from the Siren album. You know, one of the more edifying influences on 60s music was the desire to imitate or emulate the Beach Boys. It really it improved so many people's uh, sound, trying, just trying to do that. None of them got there, but some good records, some good records. Here's the astronauts in my car. When things start getting too much too bad Start feeling like I don't care There's one place I know Where I can go and be alone In my car In my car It's always there when I feel it myself I'm kind of strange I'll never change but they don't know the thrill I feel when I sit behind the wheel of my
Yeah, so what do you make of that, huh? That's uh, Linz, I guess it's called. I don't know how to pronounce it because I don't speak Kobayan, which is the language that Christian Vander created and sang all his songs in as leader of the band Magma, who occupy their own unique little niche in the history of prog rock. Not everybody's cup of tea. A lot of it I don't like, but I like Linz, and I hope you did too. Before that, it was The Cure with Mr. Pink Eye. If you were to ask me, like, the most boring live band I've ever seen, I would be tempted to say The Cure, except that when I saw The Cure, 10,000 Maniacs opened for them. 
Oh my God, what a snooze. But look, you know, I, I like a lot of the Cure songs and I have nothing against 10,000 Maniacs either, but that show was one motherfucking dull affair. What can I say? Then we had a piece by the Russian composer Sergei Prokofiev, who wrote a lot of stuff that I like. That was a piece called Evening, as a section of a series of pieces he wrote for children, originally for piano and then orchestrated for chamber orchestra. I like the subtle dissonances that come into that. They add a lot to it. But it's pretty. It's a pretty piece. And the astronauts at the top, they did a lot of early 60s surf instrumental stuff. And then they tried some of these vocal pieces that I don't really think did well on the charts, really. But they're high-class productions. Uh, that was co-produced by Snuff Garrett and Leon Russell. And Leon was really adept at creating that Beach Boys sound. He did a lot of stuff bringing up Gary Lewis and the Playboys again. He did some Beach Boys clones for them, too. For instance, uh, She's Just My Style, which is a great record. 45. You know, something I'm grateful for is that some of the people who correspond with me about the show, uh, usually it's correspondence, sometimes it's people I actually talk to, but they've often mentioned to me that they like the discursive parts of the show. And I I'm glad about that because, you know, I, I like to blab. Anybody will tell you that. Sometimes I try to cut down the blabbing and just play as much music as possible, but I'm glad to know that some people actually really enjoy those parts of the show. Just uh, yesterday and today, I've been going through my email archives to get rid of shit, because I often don't delete things, and they pile up and pile up, and I've had things archived there for decades, just a couple of decades. And so I'm going through, I'm trying to delete them to clear up some storage space, because it's almost full. And it's a kind of a... A bittersweet process. For one thing, you know, a lot of correspondence with people who are gone, uh, Joe Williams and Don Brockway, and people I really love. Correspondence with people that are now estranged from me, which is a lot of people. I mean, I, I talk about this a lot. It must sound like I'm just being bitter or jocular or something, but no, it's traumatic. Maybe about a year or so ago when I quit Facebook, all kinds of people from all walks of my life who I never heard from again. It sucks. But anyway, that's one of the reasons why doing the podcast is great because some of the people who listen and keep in touch about it, they help me figure out what works in the show and what doesn't. They have their own insights into things. They tell me about what they do when they listen to it. Uh, we just, you know, it goes off into all sorts of directions and I deeply appreciate it. It's tough to look at how active my social life used to be and um, realize that that's all gone. So thank you guys for doing this. And it's not only on the Patreon. There's a lot of, of course, people there are more involved directly communicating with me. But a lot of people who just listen to this one do it too. So thanks. So thanks to everybody. One person I frequently talk to is a guy named Rich. And we were talking about uh, the bookstores and things that I've been mentioning on some of the accounts of our travels, our family road trips. And yeah, I've been buying up books. I mean, it's the last thing I need around here because there's thousands of these things around here. But... I'm a bibliophile, and I, and, I, and I read. I have like an eye lust, you know. I, my eyes need to read words, and I'm talking about ink on paper. I don't know, maybe... I don't want to say it's an old man thing, you know, because that's some bullshit, you know. It's not an old man thing. I think a lot of people kind of goof on themselves, like, you know, I'm old and out of touch and all that. And I, I, I don't know, I don't buy that, you know. I never felt young. 
And I mean outside of the whole thing about your body falling apart and all that shit. You know, yeah, you get old, you know, but the sensibility, the the idea of being in touch with the world and about life, it's nothing to do with young or old. That's just some kind of an urge towards classification and separation that people seem to be really into right now. And you know, you know what, actually, I gotta read you something. I read a magazine called The New Criterion, and I highly recommend it to people who are, uh, I don't know, who have functional brains, you know. It uh, celebrates Western civilization. And that is something worth celebrating. Let me, hold on a second. Let me see. Okay. So there's a bunch of great articles in the September issue, which was the last issue, not the current one. And one of them is about the 19th century Russian author Ivan Turgenev and his book Fathers and Sons. And the author of the article makes this observation. As the novel begins, Nikolai Petrovich has been waiting five hours at the station for his son Arkady coming home from the university. Lonely since his beloved wife died and a devoted father, Nikolai Petrovich has spent months in the capital attending lectures and keeping up with new ideas so as to be close to his son. But all in vain. When Arkady arrives, he has brought his friend Bazarov, whom he idolizes. One of the new people and the son of a poor local doctor, Bazarov not only lacks aristocratic manners, but despises them, and in the tone of his voice there was something coarse, almost insolent. As Nikolai Petrovich sadly recognizes how distant his son has grown, he voices one of the book's key themes, the tragedy of passing time. Against the backdrop of social change and the progress of generations, as fathers yield to children who will soon suffer the same fate, People learn what it means to survive into an estranging future. Blink and you are passé. The ones you love the most no longer understand you. And the loneliness of outdated beliefs overwhelms you. It doesn't matter whether those beliefs are truer or better than those that have replaced them. Well, there's a lot of stuff in there that I recognize, but um, you know that digression has eaten up a lot of time. So well, what I had intended to talk about, I'll, maybe I'll pick it up later. What do you guys think? Sham 69? Jimmy, what's up?
find someone to worry your mother. Excuse me. What? Excuse me. What? Hey you, in the front row, are you coming backstage after the show? Because I've got a dress long in my dressing room and a pack of warm beer that we can consume.
The Drink by my old pal T.V. Smith. Sounds a little bit like Miles Hunt there, I think. And as it turns out, T.V. and I were introduced by Miles Hunt. He gave each of us the other's latest album, and we became fans of each other's work. Well, I was already a fan, because I had been a fan of the adverts, the punk band he had back in the late 70s, who did uh, One Chord Wonders and Gary Gilmore's Eyes. One of the first of that wave of punk acts to really break through and make an impact. And his stuff just got better after that. That song, The Drink, was from about maybe 15 years ago or so, but a gifted guy and a really great person. Before that, you heard Winter Poem by the late Norwegian artist Radka Tonef. She was a kind of a jazz-type singer, songwriter, 
and committed suicide. Uh, don't know a lot about the story, the circumstances behind that, but it's an awful tragedy and her stuff is beautiful. Quite a change of pace before that. It's a band from the Isle of Wight, a duo really, called Wet Leg. And I just got turned on to that song by my friend Lenny. Uh, he sent it to me and uh, it knocked me out. It's just goofy and entertaining. And I, it's a good record. I think it came out just maybe a month or two ago. Now the song's called Chaise Longue. Yeah, is that how you say Chaise Lounge in the Isle of Wight? Or maybe in France, I don't know. Chaise Lounge, but you know, over here. But, uh, you know, in any language, she got the big D. We know what that's all about. Top of the thing was Sham 69, If the Kids Are United, which is uh, one of my all-time favorite punk records. It was great. The Sham 69 got in a lot of trouble because they attracted a really rowdy, violent element, skinheads and stuff, and they were disinclined to uh, discourage any part of their audience from enjoying their shows, and uh, apparently things got ugly. Uh, you know, the, the racist Nazi punker types fucking everything up, and Jimmy Percy and the boys got a bad name for that. Unfairly, as far as I'm concerned, I never heard anything like that in their music. But I do know it's got some of the greatest dumb lyrics, you know. I mean, I'm not saying these are dumb guys, but the lyrics are beautifully dumb, uh, you know. I, for once in my life, I got something to say. I'm going to say it now. For now is today. You know, it's fantastic. Now, I'd started talking about books before, and there was something I wanted to get into, but again, I don't want to get into another long spiel now. So I'm going to do the pre-introduction of the next set, because this is a kind of a planned little trilogy here. And it concerns a guy named Norman Smith, who was an engineer at EMI Studios, uh, Abbey Road, back in the 60s. Worked with the Beatles and a bunch of people. Produced a bunch of Pink Floyd's early albums, including Piper at the Gates of Dawn. So what we're going to hear now is um, a song he wrote back then, in 1966, I think, for a performer who went by the sole name Bruno. And Bruno was Bruno Kretschmer, who stopped performing very soon after his first couple of records and went on to become the president of Chrysalis eventually. So, good career move there for Bruno. Nearly 10 years later, under the name Hurricane Smith, Norman Smith wrote another song, and this time he sang it and had a huge worldwide hit with it, Obey What Would You Say. It's kind of a ridiculous record. People love it or hate it. I've always liked it. I don't know. It's stupid. It's like one of the Ringo songs, you know, from a Beatles album. It's that kind of thing. And then I'm going to play something by Pink Floyd. I know, I play a lot of Pink Floyd, don't I? All that early stuff. Well, I ain't going to kill you. From the album A Saucer Full of Secrets, the song Remember a Day, Nick Mason couldn't hack the drum part, just couldn't get it together. And Norman said, oh, I'll show you. And he played it. And so Nick said, well, let's just use that. And they did. So you're going to hear a song that uh, Norman Smith wrote, one he wrote and performed, and one he produced and played drums on. Sorrow or to grief. 
And there you have it, a Norman Hurricane Smith triple-decker. And now, duly enlightened, you're saying to yourself, how did I ever live without Buckaroo Holiday? I know, I know, and I don't have an answer. I couldn't tell you. Thank God, though. Thank God for this. Me, thank God. Now, I did really want to get back to the books, and uh, not, but, you know, to back to talking about the books that I bought. There's this one book I really want to tell you about. I don't know if I have the time today, though. I, I do. There's a couple of things I do want to mention that are a little more pressing. One is a lot of people keep asking about Miles and how he's been doing. And, um, you know, he's okay, I guess. But what, with regard to uh, his surgery and his recovery, I'll put it this way. We're uh, checking out lawyers. But um, he's going to be all right, and um, I really appreciate that people are concerned about him. I don't know how many of you know this. My kids have both uh, had really, really, really tough times medically over the years, and uh, it's ongoing. They have very serious chronic issues, and uh, I mean, we, uh, it's been financially ruinous for us, and Emotionally um, indescribable, but they prevail. They're strong and they're good and they're everything to my wife and me. So, anyway, um, our dog Pumpkin is old and having a lot of medical problems too. So, that's been tough on all of us. And my daughter started a GoFundMe to help the dog out for medical expenses. And Some of you who listen to this have helped her out on that. She does it on the Facebook, and I don't really know anything about it. I've had nothing to do with it. But I know that it's helped a lot because the dog's had a lot of medical attention. And uh, it's required a lot more than we could afford. So uh, this is an opportunity to thank you for helping our pet, but also helping Lily. It means a lot to her. We used to have a lot of parties here. Around the holidays, we'd have a party. We always had one during the summer as well. And of course, that doesn't happen anymore for reasons I've discussed on the show, ad nauseum, and also COVID and every other fucking thing. Uh, But that was the reason why, really, was for the kids. You know, I wanted them to grow up in an environment where they were surrounded by happy people, you know, like an extended family. They don't really have a, a lot of close relatives because, well, that's another thing I don't want to get into. Uh, we have my wife's wonderful sister and her family who, who have been close to us. But uh, anyway, the kids uh, kids do miss those social gatherings as, as much as I do, probably. And one of the guys who'd always come to these parties uh, was my old friend Tom, Tom Simone. We've been friends since high school, and he contributed to her GoFundMe. And uh, I'll get back to that in a minute. As we're talking about crowdfunding, I did a crowdfunded project a few years ago, an album. And if you or somebody you know contributed to that and didn't get the final thing that I made, the album project, please let me know. Because I know that there, things got really screwed up. That's when the kids got sick. And I've lost a lot of those records. And just if you happen to know of anybody who's do that thing, yeah, please let me know. Now, I've got a commission coming up. It's going to be maybe in about a week from uh, my friend Gilligan. He's got a label called Fake Chapter. And they have a big anniversary deal coming up. And he's doing a Kickstarter. I'm going to tell you all about that on the next show. 
because the show itself is going to be a Kickstarter reward and we're going to do a celebration of the thing and it, yeah, it's going to be great. It's all this whole interconnected uh, wonderment. Not the wonderments that play with Brian Wilson, no, it's a band. But speaking of bands, on his label is this band Arms and Sleepers and they have a song named Simone. So I'm going to play it for Tom Simone. See how everything kind of weaves together? It's, uh, it's like Tolkien or something. It's a whole world or something, or like Christian Vander. And after you hear this lovely song by Arms and Sleepers from the fake chapter label, this song called Simone, you're gonna hear a song called Simone by a French weirdo named Albert Marqueur. So it's uh, two Simones, and one's for Tom, and one's for Susan, and thank you. I don't know whether you're listening to this, but thank you.
lights and colors lingering Spin them, touch their splendor in Magic Ooh, it's You have not guessed, so won't you follow? For through the dark, I hear the lark of magic hollow. Calling out a melody, veiled within my memory. Magic Hey, yeah Outward bound I'm the unsung hero Of an unwritten romance That never, never did get off the ground I'm in an unlit room an unreal world Feeling like I'm almost drowned Oh baby Take me Take me To the lost and found
That's a guy named Baz Booth singing a song that he co-wrote with Fran Landsman. She co-wrote some well-known songs, uh, Spring Can Really Hang You Up the Most, and Ballad of the Sad Young Men, which we heard on an early Buckaroo holiday. She clearly had a knack for tragedy. Before that, you heard a short musical cue from the film Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? That's my friend Stein's favorite film. Up there in Norway. Hope you're doing well, Stein. And speaking of the sweet sunny North, that score was composed by Alex North. If I can fit in another short cue from that one, I'll do it before the show is out. But we're getting there. We're getting close. So I don't know. I don't know. Before that was Magic Hollow by the Bo Brummels. Just a gorgeous song by them. That's our old pal Van Dyke Parks on the harpsichord. It's from an album called Triangle that I recommend you check out. One of the nicer Baroque psychedelic albums of that era. That kind of post Sgt. Pepper moment. I think Sal Valentino, for some reason, with his vocal on that, sounds like uh, Paul Williams, my other old pal. But uh, beautiful song. And you know what I bet you're in the mood for now? I bet you're in the mood for a Professor Longhair demo. Right? Right? Hey, Fess, what's the title of this number? The title of this number is Tipperina.
Give us a rack, a long tall stack of 45 RPM. Now we're thicker, we're untalented, we're easy to bore. It doesn't seem to hear the mourn for him. Give us a miss, a sorted kit on 45 RPM. Oh, give us a rock and a beat, a down home blues. Now something groovy with bread. Boss a noble one that's heady and sweet. It's unreal how time can pass. The swingers all agree that we are easy to please. And plenty of people cater to our whim. Spinning those racks, those tall, tough stacks of 45 RPM. Of life begins at 40, as you've oftentimes heard it told. Our span of life is five short years because at 45 we're old. A lot of us may kid ourselves, try hard to be young, but five and 40 added up totals old age just begun. Now when your steps grow slightly slower and you puff along the way, 
And you're using hair restore on the few in front that are gray. And you can't remember spades of trumps to save you very live. Brother, you've reached the ripe old age of 45. Now, when a slender pair of ankles makes your blood begin to race, and your heart beats slightly faster as you pass pretty pace, and you crave a tender 20 on a lonely moonlight drive, brother. <laughs> 45. Now, you try your luck at hunting with your good old trusty gun. You reminisce for hours over trophies lost and won. You find your aim is rather bad, your barrels are slightly bent. You might as well be shooting blanks, so what has gone has went. You sit before the fire as the embers softly blaze. The torch of youth ain't quite so hot as in the good old days. And the candle of your reckless youth droops some more to rise, brother. <laughs> 45. Now you don a funny tinsel hat, you toot a ten cent horn. You start in raising merry hell until the early morn. You trip the light fantastic on feet that scream and yell. You wonder why your arches fall, your ankles puff and swell. You rush along at a dizzy pace you carry on pell-mell. Then you grab a bromo bottle and the seltzer catches hell. Why, it's positively funny how we won't act our age when you know damn well we're long since past that stage. Now, girls, <laughs> when you start in taking mud packs and massages by the score, and you've had so many rub-downs, your thighs are blue and sore. And they've lifted up your face so far it hurts to bat your eyes. <laughs> Honey, we have reached it. 45. And when they start to charge you double for an escort every night, and he acts reserved and formal while you try to hold him tight, and he leaves you at your door with a yawn and a cool goodbye, girl. <laughs> now when you've got some famous tonic stuck away up on a shelf, and you start in chasing jailbait with nothing on your mind but yourself. Honey, there is no need to lie. You've wasted a lot of time. So, honey, this is it. <laughs> 45. Forty-five by Ray Bourbon, who used to refer to herself as a female impersonator. Back in the days before we had terms like LGBTQ, etc., that removed everybody's individuality and grouped them into a block, a versus. And the verses and choruses there were typically witty Ray Bourbon work. It's from an album called Ladies of Burlesque. These were kind of under-the-counter kind of albums, similar to a lot of the uh, laugh comedy records by black artists like Blowfly and Red Fox, you know, this was um, saucy stuff. And appropriate to this episode, 45, before that was another of the cues from Alex North's score for Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Title of that one was Sad, Sad, Sad. And then before that, you heard a record called Get This, 45, by Bernie Moore. And before Moore, no less than Professor Longhair's demo for Tipitina. It's a real oddball thing to have turned up. And would you look at the damn clock? <laughs> oh, God. It flies by, doesn't it? I'm going to miss you. But the next one's going to be soon. It's going to be quick. It'll be next week, and we're going to do our special commission. And it's going to be a labels theme. That's right. We'll be celebrating the fake chapter label with a show about labels. All kinds of labels. Record labels. I don't mean labels like LGBTQ. You know, that's not the kind of labels I mean. But anyway, thank you for listening to Buckaroo Holiday again. 
And think about joining the Patreon if you're not in there. You'll be supporting not only what I'm doing here, but also St. Jude Hospital for Children and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. And you'll also be able to hear a whole bunch of great additional shows, which will be increasing as I have a few on deck and yet another commission coming here on the regular show, which will be lasting at least for a few more weeks and maybe longer if I re-up on the subscription to Podbean. I'll tell you all about that after we get through this next one. Right now, I'd want to end with something. I don't know what. So we started the show pretty much with Disco, the Bonnie Pointer. So maybe something in that vein, hmm? You know, I think I'm going to hit you with uh, Cody Mundi. You know, Cody Mundi, uh, sugar-coated Andy Hernandez, played with Dr. Buzzard's original Savannah Band and Kid Creole and the Coconuts. Cut this record, Que Pasa, which segued into a thing called Me No Popeye. And I don't really like Me No Popeye, but I do like Que Pasa. So I'm going to end on that without the Popeye. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All my love and fond wishes. This has been Buckaroo Holiday. I'm on it. 